Tanya for Yud Shvat is the conclusion of chapter Chof Beis, chapter 22. The Rebbe in Perich Chof Beis has been explaining to us the fundamental difference between Achtus Hashem and the opposite, Kfirah Hashem. That's the general gist of Perich Chof Beis. And these two opposites are going to play a major role, as we explained, and we'll see in the following chapters, between one being bottled to Hashem and one recognizing that there isn't anything but Hashem, in other words, one having full faith in Achtus Hashem, versus one giving space for there to be other things that have a Metzius, other things that have some form of independent existence, which would be Kfira to some extent, and Abli Zara, Elikim Acherim on the other end. And therefore, even doing the slightest Avera, in, its, in essence, is basically kfira because what it does is, what it's saying is, is that there is, although God said, I shouldn't be doing this, there is still an existence that I could feel of myself that could say, I could do this. And there, that itself is a denial of God's ultimate unity. And essentially what the Alter Rebbe does is, is explains that there's different levels of kfira there's different levels of denying God, there's the basic fundamental kfira which is basically denying God, period which the Al-Tareb is not addressing here because we're not talking about people who are denying God. That's, that doesn't discuss, that's not a discussion or up for discussion in Tanya. The Al-Tareb focuses on two other forms of kfira, where sort of the kfira da pari experienced or the, the, the symbolic, the idea of kfira pari, which is the fact that although there's an acknowledgement that God created me, but the source of my existence is not dependent on God. I have my own source of independent existence. And that stems from, as Al-Tarebbe will explain, the fact that the energy that Klippa gets doesn't actually penetrate inside the Klippa, meaning it doesn't reside, it doesn't reveal itself. It's not slabish in the Klippa. And therefore, the Klippa doesn't actually have any real sense of its source being, being animated and, being, and given life from the source of Hashem, and therefore it senses its own independent source of life. As we gave the analogy once before, no one perceives himself as living because of their DNA or the, 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 the semen and egg of their parents. They see themselves existing as an independent existence from their parents. And although there's no way a child could exist without the semen and the egg of their parents, we don't think of that consciously and even subconsciously. Obviously, the analogy is not perfect because in that case, once the child is born, the child does have his independent existence versus there is nothing that has an independent existence of God as, we, as has been explained in the previous chapters and including in this chapter. But the fact that the Ur Hashem becomes so minimized, and as we've explained the levels of Ukharayim, the fact that the Ur Hashem becomes so minimized, so mitzumsum, to the fact that there could be a real dibor, meaning where things perceive themselves as existing outside of God, as a dibor, as, a, as something which exists outside of the person who speaks. So there could be such an intense element of that concealment of the source that the, the being, the creation, could perceive itself as actually existing almost independent of God, although God gave it the initial source, but it could feel itself existing independent of God. So that's one form of kfirah, not obviously absolute kfirah, but it's, 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 it's pretty close to that because it's saying that God, I don't need God anymore for my existence. I could exist on my own. My highest comes from myself. And then there is a lesser level of kfirah, which Dr. Rebbe comes to at the end of the parak, which is the main thrust 
of the of the parak of Gimel Chavdala, where the Alter is going to explain how Kfira on this level is not so much where one denies God or even denies God being the source of my energy, but more the sense of thinking that there could still be things that have their own independence. Not that they don't need God to give them life, or not that God is not constantly giving them life, but they still retain some independence of themselves. And the analogy for that is what Chazal tell us, that or, or, or someone, who's Pegasus Aruach, someone who senses themselves, their own ego, an inflated sense of self, or even a general sense of self, where the person focuses on the self as being something that exists, makes the person have an element of kfira because that basically means that the person doesn't have true belief in Achtos Hashem. As we explained, Achtos Hashem means there's nothing that exists other than God. So in the sense of one perceiving the Dibor as being something that does exist, and therefore there's space for me to exist, independent somewhat of God, that's kfira. True on the lower end, and not kfira mamish, but it still has that element of kira because it's denying the ultimate unity. So those are the two extremes that the Alter Rebbe brings out in this parak. In today's Tanya, the Alter Rebbe explains these two concepts, the two levels of kira. But he first brings out the, and continues the theme of the difference between the, the way God gives his energies to the, the pnimius of, of God's rotsin versus the chitzonius of rotsin, the difference between the energies that are given to those things which are bottled to God, the things that are connected to Elikos, the things that are um, completely incorporated to Elikos, which over there, there's the pnimius of God's energies versus the charaim, the things that don't really have God's energies within them in a revealed way, in a, in a, in a conscious way, but rather, as Al-Tarebbe says, in fact, they're only in a way of a makif. So just to explain this idea a bit, when we're talking about Pneumius HaRatzin of the Eibishter, we're talking about God's ultimate intention and those things that give themselves over to God's intentions, God's purpose, they have what is real life. They really exist because from God's perspective, nothing exists. As we said, there's nothing that really exists other than God. So anything that's an extension, so to speak, of God, in the sense that it's, it's facilitating God's Ratzin, so by extension of God, meaning of being a facilitator of God's Ratzin, you are therefore a part of God, and therefore you're alive, you're truly existent. Just like God is truly alive and truly existent, you are truly alive and truly existing, because you're existing as a part of God. If you deny God, or you don't exist with being just a facilitator of God's light, in fact, you conceal God's light, you're an existence that is very much sensing their own existence, so then you're not alive, you don't have any life, because it's, it's the energy that you would be giving you life, which could only come from God, is so captured, so deeply um, um, uh, limited and, and minute and beset hagolos into the ultimate level that there's actually no, no real life there. there, there there's, the, the sense of life is not really there. It's, it's, it's a false perception of life. It's real death. And this comes to a deeper understanding between life and death. We perceive life and death based on you know, very physical terms. The animation of the body being alive versus not, and therefore being dead. But in the, in, from a deeper perspective, or from a more truer perspective, that's not what real life or death is. Real life and death has to do with how being connected to God or disconnected from God. Sensing God as being the ultimate and only existence, or sensing yourself as existing. When you have a Pneumius Harotzen of God going through you, so then you are alive. 
because you have a, an extension of godliness as that being existing, you exist. But when there's a denial of that, or there's a creation that is personifies this element of God having an, of something having an independence of God, so then that thing is not called alive. It's not alive because it doesn't have the true. It doesn't have. It doesn't have an attachment to true existence to God, which is God. So therefore, it doesn't have life. And therefore, life and death, in this, and from this perspective, is not about a physical body being animated or not, but whether or not there's actual life. Is this thing really alive? Does, does life meaning have eternity? True life is eternity. You see, we always think of life as always being short, right? Life is too short, we use the expression. But that's actually wrong, because true life is, is, is infinite. Chayim amitim, true life is eternal. That's why the soul lives on forever. The body is finite. The body doesn't actually really live. The body is actually dead. And it's only an animating force of the neshama that gives it somewhat of a life. But what real life does the body have? It doesn't have any real life. It's not truly living. Um, today, we could understand this through a person who needs a ventilator. They're not really alive in the sense of, yeah, they have, the body is functioning, but they're could you, would you say that they have independent life? They don't have independent life. So the body doesn't have any real independent existence in that sense. Um, and therefore, it's not really alive. So life is actually something which has to be eternal. So life has to be something which remains forever. Versus death is anything that exists for a period of time, has relative existence, relative life, but it's not really eternal. It's not eternal and doesn't, doesn't have life of its own. It's not existing on its own. And in this sense, the fact that this, that klipo, the fact that there is a source for something that is actually stands against God, which is the sense of ucharayim, as we spoke about in yesterday's Tanya, Lakim Acherim, the fact that there's a certain energy that comes from God, Bechinus ucharayim, from a backhand manner of an energy, which is not direct, which is not the purpose, which is not, well, it is the purpose on some end, but it's not the ultimate purpose and ultimate objective. So therefore, by them, their godly energy stands in a way of makif, as Al-Tarebbe says, and therefore, in themselves, they don't really have any true life. They don't really exist, really. They just have something constantly fueling them from an external side. There's something externally giving them energy, but they themselves don't really exist, and therefore they don't have actual life. And that's why the Al-Turabek then moves on to explain a second interpretation of Elikim HaKherim. Elikim HaKherim now means things that stand in counter-distinction or in counter-opposition to God, unity because they feel like they exist but they don't feel like they exist from God because of the fact that the Or Hashem that is giving them life is Bechinas Makif doesn't actually doesn't actually integrate within them doesn't become revealed within them so they don't actually feel and sense their source so therefore they stand in, in complete Kfira to God's unity because they sense that their existence is independent of God God forbid and being being that they feel this independent of God Therefore, they could actually, um, they actually deny the unity of God. And that's, that's essentially the difference between Kedusha and Klippa. The difference between Kedusha and Klippa is that Kedusha is something which has true life and is believing and knowing of God's achtus. And Klippa is something which doesn't have true life. Klippa is something which is dead and therefore has is denying God, it's, it's, or because it denies God, it, or it's one of the same thing really. It's denial of God is because of the fact that it doesn't have the true energy of God within them, 
and therefore they don't feel like that, that, they're being, that their life is coming from God, but that's death, and therefore the, the, the essence of, of klipa is actually ra, is, 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 is actually non-existent. And as, as we know, as the Mashiach will come, when it says, the concept of there won't be any more Ra, any more Klippa, that's because it will just be revealed that they don't really have any existence, that they don't really have any true existence, because the only thing that really exists is, the unif- is things which are unified with God, sense the unity of God, sense the fact that they have no other existence but God, and that is the point that al is going to use, as we said in the following chapters, to show how it's very easy for one to recognize that even the slightest thing that one does, which is not God's will, automatically is getting into the realm of death, is automatically getting into the world of klipa. Because if it's not God's will, it automatically means it's sitzer it automatically means it's not really alive. So then what is it? If it's not really alive, then how could it exist? So by the person then saying that it exists, Essentially, what the person is doing is saying that there's something that exists outside of God. In other words, giving, giving legitimacy to the, to the thing which is um, not alive, in other words, kfira. So the, again, if we understand life as being an extension of God's will, and anything that's not an extension of God's true will is not alive, so then if I do something or acknowledge something that's not truly alive, meaning not an extension of God's true will, so by that, I'm doing kfira. If I'm doing kfira, we already said a person, when he's tested for any challenge about denying God's unity or God's essence, he, won't, he, will, he will be willing to be moisir nefesh. And therefore, Dr. Rebbe will say, one could tap into the source of chokhmah, of Avamusoteris, to be able to overcome the struggle, any struggle, because any struggle really essentially is basically living in the world of death, living in the world of things which are not true rotsen of the Eivishter. And if they're not the true rotsen of Hashem, they're dead. And if they're dead, they're kfira. They're, they're denying God's unity, and therefore it's really a challenge of Amunas Hashem. So this only comes from the deeper understanding of the first two, Anoich Hashem Lekecha, Achnos Hashem versus Layilacha, which is Kfira Hashem. Understanding them from this deep point of view that Chassidus reveals to us, and understanding how essentially these two forces between Kedusha and Klippa are really two forces between life and death, as the Pasuk actually describes, and therefore the difference between unity of God versus the denial of God's unity, and therefore, anything, anything that's not in line with God's will is dead, is kfira. And if it's kfira, it's a challenge in Amunas Hashem. So it says, The inner will of God, the Ratzon Hashem, which is referred to Panem as we spoke about yesterday, is the source of, source of life, period. And that gives life to all the worlds. But since this life, this light, this ponim, this rotsan alien does not reside within the sitra achra. And even that level, so pnimius doesn't even rest on an external level, on a level of makif. The, the ponim alien, the rotsan alien bechinus pnimius doesn't even exist in the sitra achra at all. And even the levels that give the sitra achra existence, like the ucharayim, the backhand manner of rotsan alien, even that is doesn't actually reveal itself through these through the sitachra. It only it only encompasses it from above. It only has an element of existence from an external from a makif level. And therefore, anything that is bechinas is automatically the source of place of death and impurity. 
May God protect us from ever falling into that space. Because the tiny little bit of light of God, of energy, of vitality that the Sitzer Acher gets in order for it to exist, that does penetrate within the Sitzer Acher, that does go with, come within the Sitzer Acher from this level of Bukharayim Diktusha, is Bechinas Golas Ma'ash is so is so captured and trapped within the, the, the Klippa that it doesn't have any sense of shining through it. Therefore, the Klippa doesn't sense it at all. It's Besayib Golas Ashkina, and as we mentioned previously a number of times, this is the concept of Golas Ashkina. And therefore, says Al Tarebbe, Now we can understand the second deeper meaning of Alakimacherim, not that it receives life from Ukharayim. But it itself identifies as being its own existence. This alikim represents where there's things that exist that actually are complete idolatry. What does that mean, their idolatry? They're in a sense of denial of God's unity. Because since the life force that's within it, the light and life force within it that is in the state of Golos, doesn't really shine through it. It's an Ainu Klal. So therefore it doesn't doesn't become incorporated, doesn't feel bottled to God's holiness. The other Rab, on the contrary, it raises itself up like an eagle laymer saying, I'm the only one. I'm the one who created the river. I'm the one who created myself. In other words, I don't need God. I don't exist because of God. I exist because of myself. God may have created the world, but then I exist as an independent existence. And this is klipa. This is Sitra Akhra in its deepest form of kfira, of denying God's unity by saying that not only is it not bottled to God because it doesn't have the energies of God revealed within it, but it actually thinks it lives independent of God. It exists on its own. It comes from itself. Yuuri Li. I created myself. Well, that's why the Gemara says, that someone who, haughtiness, someone who feels himself as existence, is like Mamish. Why? Now that transfers into a lower level of Kvira, but at the same time brings out a deeper understanding of what Avaidazar. What is Avaidazar? What's the root of Avaidazar? What does Avaidazar mean? A strange service, something which is foreign or strange. You're serving something which is strange, different. What does that mean? Anything that feels itself existent and separated from God's holiness. Meaning anything that feels like it could exist independent of God. It could do what it wants, not what God wants. Its rotsin is more, it has its own will, it has its own rotsin over God's rotsin, etc., etc. That is the core root of Avay Dazar. It's serving a strange function. It's serving not God's rotsin, but its own rotsin. It's not serving God's, for, it's not being in service of God, it's being in service of itself. So that is the root of Avaidah Zara. Now, the like fear of Hashem Lagami, it's not, it's not complete fear, it doesn't deny God completely. It acknowledges that there, it's a God, it feels it exists, it has its own independence, but its existence comes from the ultimate existence, which is God. Only that they also think that they exist as an independent existence of and with this sense of self, they therefore cut themselves off from God. In other words, if you think you, you could exist independent of God, so then why do I have to be an extension of God's will? Why do I have to fulfill God's will? I could do my own will. I could be my own person. And they're not bottled to God, therefore. And as we mentioned again in chapter 6, that the only thing that's really bottled to God is anything that is 
that anything that the only place that God resides is where things are things that are bottled to Him, things that's acknowledged that that its existence is to be an extension of God's will, and things that feel that they live independent of God, therefore don't feel that they're an extension of God's will, because and therefore they don't act on that level. They're not bottled to God, and therefore they don't have they're not they're not captured within the kedusha of God. They're not caught up within the kedusha. That's why the Zerah calls this source, this type of klipa. The, the, the mountains of separation, and that is kfira in the absolute unity of God. Because truthfully, the because there is no such a thing as something existing besides God. In other words, either you're God, meaning you're an extension of God's will, or you're not. And if you think you exist other than God's will, that's a denial of God's essence, of God's unity. And therefore, in truth, everything is only in a state of non-existence, and completely bottled to God, to God's will, which is giving true life, and constantly giving them, to exist, giving them existence every moment from nothing into something. When you have that recognition, then you are in line with Ahtas Hashem, then you're an extension of God's will, then you're truly alive. Otherwise, you don't feel connected to God, you're dis- you feel a sense of self, you feel therefore disconnected from God because God doesn't reside in anything that feels itself as existence and therefore you're not aligned with God's rotsin and therefore you're in a state of kfirah.